0: Welcome to PPUK Podcast, Uh, a little bit of a stripped down one here. We've got, uh, it's just myself, Chopin, and we've also got Paddy. Hi there. And Andy. Hey guys. And we're talking about the latest release, the Prince and the Revolution live in Syracuse uh, box set that just came out from the estate. All new and mixed. Now, I'm kind of going to bow down to the guys that were probably listening to this as it came out or very soon after it came out i was kind of like a late comma to this one so anyone anybody want to take what this was when it came out what did you guys you know before we go into the whole remaster thing what kind of place does this hold in prince uh fandom
1: oh that's a good question i'm gonna take this first if i may uh I, um, so I got into Prince with Sign of the Times, as I've said probably before. And the way I got into it was seeing Sign of the Times on TV on top of the pops, the video with all the words and going, Oh my God, I've never seen anything like that. And watching it like 40 times in a row. And then my next door neighbor who was two years older than me. So I kind of hero worshiped him a bit. I was at his and he had the LP, the double LP. And I was like, oh this is that and like the cover the colors listening to it on lp next door with him Mark Sugarman if he's listening <laughs> I don't know if he's still into print um and so that, that then I was into everything and I started going down the route that we, we've all been down which is like you start looking for what came before and you start going and you go oh my god I I thought it was this but I now I found this album called Controversy which sounds like that and now I found this and then I and anyway, so I got myself up on to speed on that. And then the next thing was that Mark Sugarman had the live VHS. And that, again, was another whole artifact because it was sexy. It had a cardboard slip case, I think. Or, you know, there were a few versions of it. And it had just the coolest graphics in, you know, time-honoured Prince tradition, every era looking different. And I always loved the way live was written in Prince's multicoloured uh, affected handwriting right and with the e having that square at the top on live you know what i mean and so this was uh, it this was always this is a long answer sorry this was always for me a very kind of artifact kind of magic thing it was like going from the records i think to now i can see him and it's on this weird weird kind of funky magic talismanic Box with these weird graphics, and then watching the thing, I just remember being immersed in it, and it was so fuzzy and cloudy, and you know, overdone and muddy visually and sonically. But that was kind of part of the trip of it. You know, you turn all the lights off in the lounge and lose the entire afternoon watching this. So I, I have nothing but kind of fond Prince soup memories of this. Well, I was a year behind
2: you. uh... Andy, I got into printing in, in eighty eight. I don't think I've told my story actually. I, I got into print in eighty eight. It was a strange one. The having said that it wasn't Unsurprisingly, possibly, it wasn't the Love Sexy album that broke me in. I mean, anybody who was broken into Prince specifically from that album, that'd be a pretty interesting entry to say the least. But it wasn't for me. I, I saw um, uh, the Purple Rain film on, on uh, Channel 4. My dad had taped it for me one night and I, uh, I watched that. And we over romanticize, I think, sometimes when we say, you know, a moment in time saved, uh, saved my life, a moment in time changed my life basically let's go crazy at the, the beginning of the film and let's go crazy. And that visual and the whole thing and the song and, you know, little guy with heels jumping off a piano with the guitar into the splits out again and playing a guitar. So that kind of did it for me. I was like, Oh my God, this is, I've never seen anything like this before. So that was kind of my way in. So in a similar way, when I started listening to Prince, it was this, al- the Purple Rain album was the very first thing. And definitely the first ever footage I saw of Prince Live was indeed the uh, Channel 5 video presentation of this concert, which um, exactly as you've said, you looked at it and uh, even by 88, if you're watching other things, it was, um, it was murky. It was uh, sort of gloomy a bit. I have yeah. to say, I remember watching it at the beginning and being a little bit disappointed because i was sort of wanting something else and very shortly after i saw the dortmund show which i was like oh my goodness this looks amazing but because i would just got into prince and my head was very much in the purple rain stuff seeing tons of medleys a lot of songs which weren't by then part of my dna was it so so this the 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 concert with everything on that I wanted to listen to I was a little bit disappointed by the presentation and then the concert that looked fantastic I was getting snippets of some of my songs with not enough synth and too much brass it was part of you know part of that development of how you go through Prince and start to appreciate the bigger bands and mm. the different ways of orchestrating all the hits to keep them fresh and keep them uh, keep them pulled through what about you Chopin
0: well, this possibly is the first time I saw a Prince concert on video. Like, uh, like this is... I, this Because it's kind of funny, like, I've, as most people know, I got in around night, summer of 92 when Diamonds and Pearls tour was doing the rounds. Thunder came out. Loved that song. Somebody gave me a, like, a cassette. I uh, had a fellow Prince fan, uh, Stuart Smith. Shout out to him. Gave me a cassette of all different print songs and all I'd heard really and all the print songs that I recognized and I was just like oh my god all these guys all of these songs that I love are by the same artist i never put it together anyway so this is part of my first month of education Uh, I think I'd seen Purple Rain before I loved the film but this is the first time I kind of intently watched and was you know was blown away and then it's like well here's the tour because now i recognized all of the songs off of it not amazingly so like uh, like the stuff from 1999 like delirious i didn't know a lot of things like irresistible bitch i didn't know so these are my first time hearing those songs is like delirious irresistible bitch and this is the start of a very familiar pattern with prince of hearing live versions that i liked first and then kind of getting in with the album so uh, some of this uh, um video when i saw this video i was kind of it was it was an unfamiliar listen in terms of the songs so i was just kind of vibing off of what it was and i and it was like two in the morning we just watched like it was like some marathon session where we just watched purple rain and now we were watching this and i was like parts of it i was blown away parts of it i was kind of Really sleepy for, but I remember thinking that the highlight was like Possessed and Computer Blue. And I hadn't properly, like, but obviously, Darling Nikki, because I was young and it said bad words, but I was very impressed. But Possessed and Ill, the Irresistible Bitch and Possessed, because they were completely new, like, and it was my first time listening to them. And I, I, I kind of, it took me a while to kind of, I guess, really fall in love with the studio version of Irresistible Bitch and then realising that Possessed wasn't a song, you know, like it wasn't a song that was out there at all until I got to the bootleg things. But um, this was like a, it grew upon second listen because I was just so tired. It was like a two, three, four in the morning kind of listen after a lot of kind of educational listening rather than kind of joyful listening. So it was, uh, but it became a staple, an important part of the canon, like, you know you knew, it was the first concert I saw and I was like, okay, this guy can do this live, this is this is a show, like and uh, previously I'd been watching like Blonde Ambition, Dangerous Tour and being really floored by them and then I was just like, okay this this guy, not only is this, the, the album's good but the show sounds and looks you know, it keeps up with those things, this guy's now in my top three and like will forever be kind of in that kind of rotating position of one two or three like depending on the day so it was it was an important missing this one oh my god do you still rotate prince prince and madonna michael jackson is kind of almost permanently in third now but madonna and prince i do you rotate ro- you
1: rotate them oh my yeah. god i did well, I'll just pretend I didn't hear that. I mean, no diss on Madonna, but it just makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's about what you want in, during the day,
0: and it's not about, like, kind of, if, who's the best guitarist? I mean, like, come on. Yeah,
1: because that, <laughs> like, that's
0: um, obviously Madonna. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, her four chords, what she could... No, no, no. But fa- favourite is something else. There's other cultural things going on, and other uh, musical things going on as well. Hey,
1: you can do what you like. I'm just teasing you, but... Uh... <laughs> But, but you know, I'm, I'm doing a Prince podcast.
0: I, I kind of like him.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> okay. I noticed. I, 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 I would say we've talked about Prince quite a lot over the years yeah. on tape and off. I, I think yeah. you've proved your chops, Chops. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, the other thing about the video is as well, getting into him in
2: kind of 88, I immediately said I had access to that and the Love, Sexy, Dortmund show. Then I very quickly tracked down the Sign of the Times video and uh, got a copy of the Parade Tour video from somebody, the um, Detroit one, the one that had also been on Channel 4. So it, if you're getting into an artist and those are your four first hmm. representations of them live, that is a huge, huge head smash hmm. because of, of what we just said. The, the completely different visual tones the, the music obviously is you know going to completely different places absolutely astonishing absolutely astonishing in, in a way in a weird way i'm glad i heard sign of the, the sign of the times video and watched that a- after the purple rain one because again it added something it was like holy wow this is that like, the way this has progressed and what he's doing here and this jazz of sort of overtones and i was kind of thinking it, was, it Oh, what, what four shows, like, as as a little group of work over uh, four or five years, four years? Absolutely,
1: yeah. wow. Sorry. I'm 99% sure that I'd this was the first time I uh, that I'd seen Prince live for, uh, on footage. I think it was before Dortmund. I think it was before Sign of the Times. And like I say, it was this really murky artefact. And there was something quite cool about that because it was like, in you know, figuring out who this guy was... And then, oh, great, I've got, like, a two-hour concert. Okay, I can hardly see the guy. He's small to begin with. But you had to, like, work to figure out what this mysterious bunch of pixels on your TV was, right? And, you know, any time you would get a sharper image or a closer image, it was amazing. But then it would pull back, and he'd be surrounded by clouds of stuff. And it, it, was, like, it was really like having to unearth a fossil out of rock and, uh, and, yeah. and sort of discover something. So, like, the mystique of this show even when you were given this 2 hour thing you had to you know you had to pay attention to this thing and make what you would out of it
0: yeah lots of things happened in the dark i mean it was it was one of those things where it's you know it's lit for a live show not lit for a broadcast and i think of the four of those four early shows if you include detroit which for me detroit was quite a lot later i didn't actually see that until i got into the kind of the, the bootleg era i think like I love, love Sexy I got the two Live Sexy Part 1 And 2 VHS's yeah. With with them Flipped Thinking that the show Ended with Anastasia When it Ended with Alphabet Street Then uh, I You know sign of the Times The Movie Because that was on I take that off Of Channel 4 Because they Rebroadcast that And Under the Cherry Moon A lot uh, During the mid 90s I think my Fourth show That I ever saw Was an audience shot Bootleg of Diamonds and Pearls Actually like, uh, you know, like the, one of the camcorders from the back. Yeah. But I was just so into the songs of that album. I was willing to watch anything. It wasn't even one of the, like, pro show ones. But I, And I was impressed by that. So this, this uh, kind of sticking to this one, this sign of the times one, uh, not to kind of jump ahead to the quality of the remasters and the visual re but I'm seeing stuff I never saw before. The, for sure, details I never saw before. It. I think it was not until like four or five watches that I realized that, like his pants were completely see-through lace at the back, uh, on the kind of like ir- irresistible bitch, God, possessed part. It took me a while to realize those DLs.
1: Okay, so I haven't actually seen the remastered video, so I've had a really weird experience of this because, I've just been. I haven't invested any in any of the artifacts that are out there now yet i probably will do at some point because i think this is an important show and it's a big thing for me but um i have had a weird experience of now reinvestigating this just as an audio artifact and just listening to it twice for this for the purposes of this discussion on spotify so that was interesting in itself because obviously it's a really visual show even if it wasn't filmed, uh, it, you know, that visually for the audience at the time, uh, for the worldwide audience at the time, but it, you know, it plays with loads of sort of sus- uh, suspense and hiding in the dark and things emerging from clouds of dry ice and stuff. And that was part of the experience of watching it as a kid. But this time, I've just got the audio of that, and when I've been listening to it, I've been sort of half remembering the visuals as it goes along. But it's also interesting just to just to investigate what it is as two hours of sound. Because, I I mean, I've seen some people on Amazon saying, oh, they should have cut out all the suspenseful bits, you know, for the actual CDs. And I think absolutely not. I think, I, I really like that they've kept the big, long, extended minute and a half sometimes or whatever of Prince just teasing people with a sustained chord or just basically modulated synthesis well that's amazing like it, in true Prince fashion it's it's an easter egg in itself
0: because you've got that bit where um you've got uh, lyrics from the dance electric sung backwards with like the owls and stuff um, so like, even, even when it in itself, it's hinting at unreleased songs and stuff. So even the suspense parts are,
1: well, I, I, yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about here because like, this was Prince having just gone global and he's like, what, 24 or something, right? 23, something silly like that. And he's now playing on the biggest stage possible, which is the world. And what does, you know, it's just so interesting. Like I say, listening to it as two hours of noise. It's so interesting to me that he's like mixing in, obviously, massively crowd pleasing, zeitgeist defining pop with quite challenging avant garde uh, soundscapes in between quite a lot of the songs, you know, and just like things that touch on kind of experimental noise and stuff. Like And just as per usual with prints, what, what what a bold lot of ideas to throw at the canvas.
2: One of the interesting things um, about it, I was a bit disappointed from the visual point of view, simply because I don't know if it's because my TV's too big, but it's, it's a bit pixelated for me. It, you know, when you have something that's not incredibly high def, but relatively high def, but your screen kind of pulls it out too much. It's been a bit like that for me. That said, I've watched... Let's go crazy, a little red Corvette, 1999, on um, YouTube, over and over and over again, on a on a nice, nicely defined sort of PC screen, and it looks absolutely beautiful. They've it it, it was an interesting one to enhance because it wasn't obviously it wasn't multicolored as such. You still maintain, unsurprisingly, those purples, blues, sultry reds, it, It's a lot of that, and as you say, tons and tons of of white cloud and all that kind of thing. But yeah, I. I I, I'm going to have to find an alternate way to watch the whole thing on, on, on the Blu-ray at some point. But one of the things I I think it was on the um, official podcast. Have you watched the Blu-ray yet? I've watched about half of it. I, I, I mean, visually, I really did know the show Inside Out. I watched it so many, so many times the yeah. chest is ridiculous. And it's, uh, as I say, the, the tracks that I threw an appropriate definition on sort of on the PC it looks absolutely beautiful, bearing in mind, you know, the quality that it came, there was only so much they could do with what they had. And the colour palette was limited anyway. But I was listening, I think it was from the um official podcast, the official estate podcast. They said that the design of the stage show, the initial design was a much wider spread, but Prince had said he felt that it lacked energy, so they pushed the band back closer together. So essentially you have this little spot of incredibly frenetic activity, but all this black murk around it. So I think that's probably largely part and parcel to how, uh, how that's coming across and what I did. It, it's, it's a bit of a strange thing because when, when they do sort of zoom in and have a close-up or when there is any sort of slightly more sort of gregarious rush into a bright white light, it's all the more, all the more expressive because a lot of the time it's very sort of moderate, murky blues, purple. So it kind of works as well, but it's sort of coming from a place that's limited anyway.
1: Yeah, this this show has Mystique built into its DNA, and the way it was filmed at the time yeah. was murky, and it was they didn't find a great solution at the time. So like you say, I haven't seen this yet, but it, you're enhancing it from a limited... You can only enhance so much and like you'll never take the mystique out of this show, which is quite, quite fitting because Prince, you know, this is the most, it's an interesting show and tour, obviously, like I say, Prince was in the biggest spotlight and it's, he really seems quite, I don't know if scared is the word, but he's hiding in He's hiding and coming out and hiding and coming out constantly during this show and, you know, playing out some of these psychodramas, which is all reflected in the staging and the fog of it. He's like, you know, he says at the start, my name is Prince and I've come to play with you, which is magnificent, of course, and very Princey. Uh, not play for you, but play with you. So Princey. And again, just what he does all the time, which is he just takes a, re- a very, very... He, he he just takes a normal phrase and just tweaks it slightly and then you're in Prince world. You know, anyone else would yeah. say, I've come to play for you. I've come to play with you. It's magnificent. But then he seems, you know, it, it, now we, we've got lots of anecdotes from the time about this type, you know, people saying he was quite scared of this sudden enormous fame. And I sort of, hear, I, I sort of think about it in that fra- uh, framing now and sort of think when he's playing behind veils and hiding in baths and showers and fog and sort of saying, Oh, I just want to be good, but I want to have fun, but I want to be, he's really wrestling with how much he wants to be exposed mm. throughout this show.
0: Yeah. I mean, with the, with the mystique and everything, there is, there is one thing that the new kind of and one detail I did see is I can actually see in the bottom left hand corner during computer blue, when he throws his guitar you can see the person's hand that catches it now. Yeah. Huh. Did you notice that?
2: I, I'm I'm pretty I think I picked that out on the video because I always compare that to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where nobody has any idea where that guitar ended. But but yeah, that the, the thing that always struck me about when he threw that was how bloody far he threw it. Oh Jesus, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, you you'd be on danger
0: money to be a guitar tech working on that that gig. It's insane. Yeah cuz getting that headstock in the face you know like we've all done that if we've been in rehearsals or something yeah. but <laughs> it's like it hurts so much hurts. <laughs> like anybody that's been in a band you've all, you've been whacked whacked in the face by a guitar and yeah. it is yeah. so painful but um yeah so i i was always I was always curious about what the um, how it was filmed i like cuz something like the Co- Kobo Arena in Detroit That was quite obviously, you know, like sixteen or thirty-five mil film. Sign of the times, obviously sixteen or thirty-five mil film. Love, sexy, obviously, you know, TV cameras probably like pneumatic or VHS tapes. There's the master, and I always wonder what this was. And I always think it was
1: a pinhole camera made out of cardboard.
0: (laughs) <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty much, and the fact that they've done any kind of remastering on this pinhole camera concert, but um, and even even shows from earlier on have, are better lit for the stage. Like a lot of those kind of like chic disco shows and stuff like that were much better lit. This was a very dark thing, anyway. Uh, They've done an amazing job of bringing out any kind of detail from, I think it's a pneumatic tape or maybe a VHS that they've sourced it from. But the thing that blew me away was that the actual audio was recorded 24-track 2-inch tape. And I I was not guessing that at all. Like, I thought this was just, they had a 2-inch master, and uh, sorry, a 2-track stereo master, and that was it. Maybe even, like, kind of, maybe 4-track with like two of the tracks were like reverbs or something like that but the fact that this that they recorded this 24 track is was very interesting for me as like kind of like a, a bit of an audio geek and stuff is that they were able to get this is why i think this audio mix that's come uh, uh that's been released is so good
2: it it genuinely shocked me how different it sounded i eh? Yeah. As as I, <laughs> I did exactly the same when the um, when "Sign of the Times" remastered version came out. That I, I listened to it on my headphones, sat on a in a Saturday morning um, at Starbucks on a Saturday morning at seven a.m. had my headphones on and, and that's that's kind of how I heard it for the first time. Exactly the same when the "Let's Go Crazy" video uh, came out as a sort of lead single, as it were, and I was so surprised how everything jumped out but it wasn't it didn't feel like everything was pushed together either it it, it was so clear and then when 1999 came out and you could hear brown mark's bass play i was like that That mm. the, the big takeaway from me from a musical perspective particularly when i'm thinking uh in terms of um playing this stuff in 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 Dauphin machine and all that kind of thing was like oh my god ryan listen to this but you can listen to all of this four-string genius percussive bass player who does not get enough credit. Oh, and I was listening... I've given sort of... um, I'll die for you, baby, I'm a star. Several listens through because I love those longer, drawn-out versions with bigger bands and uh, bits of sort of indulgence and spotlights and other people. But just the... um, when you do the segue from "I Would Die for You, Baby, I'm a Star" as, you, as you've got the drum beat going, and you just listen to it, I could just listen to this percussive bass stuff for ages, and I can see, I can hear it now. With it's like hearing it in three D. It's just sounds yeah.
0: so good. When Dove's Cry as well with Brown, just to kind of Brown Mark the the stuff that you does Dove's Dream when Dove's Cry is is very simple, but then it's you know gets into this kind of rumble. Uh, um, It's just
1: amazing. Just amazing. I haven't yet been blown away by the audio of this. It's partly because I don't really know what I'm comparing it with. Because I... When I... Although this was, a, you know, a big fetish object, this big, you know, oh, my God, Prince... A Prince concert for the first time when I was a kid. When I started to watch other Prince concerts, I didn't... uh, When they... uh, Parade, Sign of the Times, Love Sexy... I was more interested in those than this, ultimately. And this became something that fell off my rotation. And I probably haven't watched or listened to this. Well, like, I've never listened to the concert. I've only ever watched it on an old VHS, really. Mm. So, like, it, you know, the the kind of way all all of that was mushed together was take out of it what you will and enjoy the show. But I suppose I was... uh, I don't, you know, I never sat down and just listened to the audio of it off the VHS. So I'm not going, oh my God, it's so much better than that. I just don't know what I'm comparing it to. So I'm only comparing it to itself. And for me, there are bits where the mix sounds really nice and seems to jump into more relief. And there's other bits that actually I still, I I think are quite harsh. Some of the arrangements
2: that we do in the band are off uh, this, this sort of that... This and the four-year, five-year period that that comes through is our main, you know, sort of our main source. As I'm a little bit biased in the '80s sense, yeah. <laughs> and I tend to get the do the boss thing and do the arrangements, I suppose. But um, like the my favorite version of 1999 live is this version by a long, long way, and and we finish with that and the the drummer boy skit at the end and the roo, roo, woo yeah. on the guitar and all those kind of yeah. things. So I've really listened to. Uh, audio rips of of the vhs in isolation and it was also up on spotify about a year and a half ago for a few months yeah uh, the original one so i I did hammer that quite a bit but subsequently i can really hear stuff on this that i've that i just hadn't appreciated before or heard in with anywhere near as much sort of clarity and and sharpness just love it
1: I should what? probably get me the CDs and listen to it on some speakers too, and I will do. You'll but enjoy I, it, yeah. Oh yeah, I definitely will. I mean, it sometimes with these re-releases as well. It takes me a while to stop wanting them to be the world and be everything because you know they never are. You're you're never going to get hit with something that you no, already should. know with that, with as much impact. Mm. It's always just gonna be a slight upgrade to business class, right, if you're lucky. The other thing is
0: as well with this particular concert, and I think this is why they've done this, is when the copyright laws changed to allow uh, releases of broadcasts previous, you know, anybody can release a previous broadcast. So this being one of them was, um, rips of that broadcast were allowed to be uh, sold as new thing. They still had to pay their license in back to you got loads of like these kind of weird kind of vinyl pressings of the like the vhs audio rip with a kind of you know 1990 new tour picture on the front these really convoluted confused releases that were just like oh god everything about this is wrong so i understand why they're solidifying this as one thing so like the audio is the best the sound is the best why are you going to buy any of these other stupid things let's like nip this in the bud by releasing it they're doing everything that prince should have done while he was alive when he was complaining about bootlegs
1: but (laughs) yeah yeah i think uh yeah i I, I agree with all of this i i think um i i just need to settle into not trying so hard to listen to it in a funny way actually and you know my second listen was a lot more pleasant than my first but there are I, i still i still think there are it hasn't quite been mixed the way I'd like, whatever that might mean. I I... I
0: think what it does show off is, um, one one really interesting thing is that when he does the Hello Syracuse in the world, my name is Prince and I've come to play with you, it's quite, that's one microphone and then he goes up to the microphone to actually sing Let's Go Crazy. And you can tell they're two different microphones. I think they've recorded the effect that was being put on the first microphone, had this big reverb. And then, you know, like, you know, things are much harder than the afterward. this way, if you're on your own, he puts the microphone down, goes up and steps to another microphone that's really dry. Uh-huh. And, and it's like, things like that, it's just, that's just the way it was recorded, and they've recorded the effect to tape as well, that's how the live mix was. Which sounds a bit disjointed when you've got that much space between the instruments. When it's like clumped up on a stereo mix of you know, like on a VHS, those things don't Notice so much, it just yeah, seems they kind much of, they mulch together, they mulch together. Whereas when you're doing like a big 24 track spacious and also in the on some of the streaming sites, some of the individual tracks you can you can listen to Atmos mixes as well. Which, to be quite honest, is I've I've always to my ears, it just sounds like a lot more you know, a lot more stereo space or something, it what, doesn't seem that much what, what,
1: different. What, Talking of atmosphere, it's interesting how high they've kept the crowd up throughout this mix.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I, I think I probably quite like that on a, uh, yeah. really. it, really. It's so. Uh, again, just listening to it uh, around town as I'm walking around on my headphones and hearing the crowd, it's, it's really it gives me goosebumps to think that the songs were just a few months old, but obviously everyone is obsessed with everyone in that stadium is obsessed with Prince or their friends obsessed and they've dragged them along and they're getting their minds blown for the first time. And, you know, it's amazing to hear like, as soon as purple rain starts up, everyone's instantly going, <laughs> and it's amazing to hear, uh, you know, um, People, uh, some of the crowd appreciating the intro of a song, and then when the actual vocal comes in, the rest of the crowd catch on and they go, "Yeah," you know. And yeah. it, it's just great to—it's great to hear all of that stuff. And years later, that's the norm, anyway, because Prince yeah. is, you know, a, such a massive hardcore fan base and inspires such devotion. But it, it's kind of spine tingling to hear people already just latching onto the mystique at the time. And, we, you know, it made, it made me more than anything want to be at the concert, obviously, uh, and to have never seen anything like this guy. Because that, that's what he was for the world at that time. No one had seen anything like this guy. Or they'd seen stuff like it because they'd mm. seen Elvis and they'd seen Little Richard and they'd heard the Beatles, and, but they'd never seen it all put together in quite this bizarre kind of package.
0: Yeah, and also it's interesting what you say about how how interesting it is and how fun it is to hear the audience is because for a long time I really loved like bootlegs like the Atlanta Purple Rain show where it's like you cannot hear the audience at all. These are like kind of monitor mixes specifically for people on stage but specifically for people who are... You know, they're listened, they're like rehearsal mixes. They're for him to listen back and see if a band made a mistake. They're not to be listened to by the public at all. But, uh, and also uh, some of the live shows that were on the Super Deluxe boxes, like Detroit uh, uh, from 1999. And there is something really enjoyable about hearing the audience.
1: I think out of all of the gigs, this is the one that I that I really think the audience is part of the story. hmm you, you know, the, the audience is part of the narrative of where Prince was at that time because this is, these are the people he's just got under his spell. And I really like to hear that interaction on this gig more than any. Oh, look, Paddy has just held up the artifacts and now I instantly want to buy them. Uh, uh, I haven't actually seen them like in the flesh, even if it's only over a video screen. Now I really want them, you bastards.
0: Did you you know there's oh it's the, there's the uh blockbusters you know kind of VHS poster uh, yeah. that was amazing to see at the back like the big poster that you get from like the blockbusters had when you know it was in the shop.
1: Is that in the package? Yeah. Uh, like, how much do I have to fork out? out? How much do I have to fork out for the best version of this guy? Uh, well, that's
0: the one from the estate. It's about a hundred and something. Oh, okay. But, how, to, how much do I have to fork
1: out for the next best version? Uh, like the triple...
0: Uh, I think there's like, uh, you know, around a 50-quid version that will be CDs do. and DVDs.
1: You get the big box with that as well, I think, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty tasty. Uh, and like what I was saying about it being an artefact, I'm sure I'll get my hands on it at some point. It's, oh, it, sure.
2: it's an interesting one. Um And I might just say as well on the on this podcast, anybody who hasn't seen uh, Chopin's unboxing of said estate, fully, fully deluxe version, really has to watch it. because <laughs> Chopin's unboxings just bring pleasure and a smile in your life. It's really good. <laughs> but, it's yeah, true enough. I, I think the presentation is is really nice. It's like as, uh, when, when uh, I said this to Andy just before we started, I, in some ways this felt crazily. In some ways I was a little bit disappointed when I heard this was going to be the next release. Simply because, oh my goodness, you know, I've watched that a million times. It's a fantastic show, but it's that that sort of purple rain. Not that I probably get a lot less uh, purple rain tired than most people do, but nevertheless, I get it. I do understand that. And I thought, well, hmm, okay. But again, the second I'd heard "Let's Go Crazy" lead single, the mix, and then had a look at it on YouTube, I was just blown away. So subsequently, I thought, well. I hope they do a good job with, with the presentation. And I have to say, I absolutely think they, they really did a superb job. The, the, box, the, the full box with the sort of more lit up version of the, of the band in that classic pose uh, and the, the shiny print uh, and the, that sort of brighter colouring and presentation, it's just an absolute thing of beauty, it really is.
1: Okay, sold. Um,
2: yeah, no, I, I'm not. You know, I'm not saying it for the sake of it. I mean, it really is nice.
1: No, no, yeah. I say it. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'll consume it in some way soon. Good man. Good man. <laughs> so, should also, we talk it? yeah. Oh, I'll finish the tune there. Yeah, and
0: speaking of that, if anybody's tired of having releases from this era, it's me. But I was kind of I when I heard about this one, I was weirdly less disappointed than a lot of people that are fans of this era. I think because one, because I understood legally why they're doing it. It's part of um, people are selling this stuff now, and it was something that they had to get ahead of, right? And it kind of just stamps the thing. No, nope, this is it. This is our, um. There's why why are all these people releasing this silly thing? We're getting ahead of this thing now. The um. Releasing this in the best quality per, and it's quite an easy thing to do. Secondly, if I hadn't, if there hadn't been so many rumors of uh Dimes and Pearls Super Deluxe, I think I might have been just like, oh god, you know, you know, did he he didn't just make music from 1983 to 1987, you know, he made other music, but now that the estate is kind of there's a lot of rumor mill about Dimes and pearl stuff. There's lots of hints towards that. That I'm kind of like, okay, I can bide my time while they take care of this piece of kind of legal thing. And I love this anyway. So
1: yeah, I honestly, I um, anything that comes out is gravy for me. And I'm a little purple rain tired, but I also like it. Doesn't matter. I I don't plan to die in the next year or two, and there'll be more stuff. So let's hope I don't. Um, I agree. So, do, uh, shall we shall we talk about some of the things we like in the show a little bit Ooh, or yeah. uh, or some of the like again for me yes, uh, okay I dissed the mix a little bit that will probably change as I start to appreciate it a bit more but more, more than that for me it's just revisiting a show and a live era that I don't, the only live stuff I tend to listen to from this era is the First Rain, oh, sorry First Rain First Avenue stuff because that, um, show, that, that show is, the, the birthday one specifically, that show is how the kids say fire. Um, and, you know, that's got one of my, uh, it, it's got a lot of my favourite things in it. It's got all day, all night. It's got um, that killer, killer, beyond killer version of something in the water. Oh, Andy, your, your taste is so oh. impeccable, mate. <laughs> yeah, I know,
2: I know. I, isn't it? The, I, 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 this, when the soundboard came out, not that many, probably... less than than 10 years ago, the soundboard came out for that. And funnily enough, I liked listening to one of the sort of second generation, third generation tape copies because all day and all night, it adds something to it. There's a power and a boom. When it's stripped down, you can hear a lot and it's great. But the power and boom on a, Just a cassette copy that wasn't from soundboard that was audience is amazing.
1: It's nasty. You know, it's often the way with bootlegs. Like I've said this before, but like when we finally got a cleaned up sexual suicide. Yeah. I hate to say it because I'm like, (laughs) I want want Prince's cut to be the, you know, canon. But like when you've got used to hearing it with artifacts and a different warmth and a different bleed and a different nasty. Hmm it's how it is. You like, that's how it will always, that's how it hit you first. And you like that. It's, it's like, um, driving through a seedy district at night as compared to, you know, when the actual mix comes out and it's like, Oh, that's too clean. That's a walk in the park in the, in the afternoon. I liked it when it was the red light district. So, you know, that's the downside of consuming bootlegs. When you get the clean version, sometimes it's not how you first loved it.
0: With all day all night. Are you guys talking about like an audience recording of this show or are you talking about that studio outtake that was the produced version of this? The audience recording of the show. is the only... Okay, all right. I was going to say, I was just making sure because, you know, there's the, the, the produced.
2: It no. sounded so different from the one that came out in but I mean, unsurprisingly, but it's so, so, so different, the whole show. And I think it had more energy from being recorded from within the crowd with the tons of bottom end and the stumbling base on Seventeen Days, it was just mm. oh so similar to Andy when I when I got into Prince and started uh, allegedly exchanging tapes. Um, <laughs> oh, the the stuff I allegedly heard was allegedly brilliant, allegedly yeah. honest.
0: Well, wow. you maybe maybe you can do an alleged Matrix mix where you put the to lay that in a uh, um. We should probably we
2: should probably do uh, we should probably do an alleged PPUK podcast at some point about. So <laughs> About bootlegs, but anyway, yeah. bootleg culture—I'm uh, down. Getting us back on course. Uh, stuff we like in this show, Andy. fire away, man.
1: Yeah, I, I will be back on course. But like, like I say, I lo- I like the deep cut of the of the birthday concert yeah. from this era. But revisiting the, you know, the giant arena smogs aboard that is this show. The it it was really fascinating to me because it it feels to me like after this show everything changes. After this period, everything changes with the band and the direction. And this, the Purple Rain, the Purple Rain concert, as it's captured here, representative of the big event, the big flamboyant event, feels like the end of and the summing up of and the kind of final, like, last days of Pompeii of this Rococo, overblown, overdramatic, melodramatic, purple period. The bookmark wasn't it? This yeah. okay?
2: So yeah. I've I've gone from uh, a fairly well-known performer to the biggest guy in the world, number yeah. one single, album, film.
1: Yeah. This
2: is the the sort of miasma that it came from. There you are. There's your document. I've got another one in the bag. You're probably not going to like it, but I don't care. And I'm writing the one after yeah. it already. It's just superb.
1: But what 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 hit me was like how it's just you know it's everything. It's the big big jams. It's the big pop songs but also it's like prince almost ta- using the concert kind of as a studio tour or a studio production and like because there is so much that there it, it's it, it's like a masterclass in how to produce. And it's kind of like what the Beatles would have done with Sergeant Pepper. If that technology had been available at the time, this is like what the Sergeant Pepper tour might have looked like in some analogous way or sounded like in some analogous way, because it's, it's the live, it's the live experience, but augmented by like, kind of like, I'm going to throw studio at you as well.
0: But it's kind of it would be interesting to see what this would have been if it toured today. Like you know, if like, say, Purple Rain had the same impact on Newness, but they had the technology of today, that would have been kind of an interesting.
1: Yeah, thing. I it's mean,
0: how immersive it, it would have been. A lot brighter but, for sure. But
1: but it, but, it, but yeah, it would have been. But it, it's but it's just like um, but sonically, it's like it, it's like a, oh, this is what delay is. This is what reverb is. This is what saturation is. This is what synthesizers are. It's like, and and this is what like uh, this is what backwards masking and tape noises and you know it's so weird and brilliant how that is woven into the fabric of the show. And it feels like Prince wants to show you the live. He wants to show you his studio process. He wants to show you his Mm. world with like with everything turned up to eleven. Even though he wants to hide in the shadows a lot as well,
0: and and not going for a really bright live drum sound by like sticking to like the kind of Lin drum sound with the Ooh. fusion kit.
2: Can we expand slightly then? Because I was at the book, one of my one of my notes, and this seems to be the right way. I, I'll be I'll be fairly quick, but I'll look, oh god, go into it. Absolutely love the fact that they did that and mm. that Bobby Z. Because it took me a while before, because I I picked up a guitar because of Prince. So I'd probably seen this video before I could string a, yeah. cor- a bunch of chords together. So subsequently, when I was looking at the band playing, I wasn't looking at the band from the eyes of anybody who'd been on stage, because that wouldn't come for another 18 months, two years for me. So I didn't really understand what people did. So when I was actually looking at it with a little bit more of an educated mind, I was like, what the hell is... So Bobby's, he's standing up all the time. He doesn't seem to be doing that much. And then when I got more into the technology, particularly when we started doing Endorphin Machine and thinking about learning drums and stuff, I was like, right. Fusion kits. The way that he's he's triggering and doing things like that, like you say with the fusion kits. (laughs) I can't say this with massive authority. I mean, I only know what I know about touring bands at the time. But I don't think this was something that was very common at all. So not only do you have this particular... Uh, mixing pot of awesome alchemy in an audio sensing and what he's written, it's been presented in a way which isn't the norm either, which yeah. is partly due to the former, but harder to do live and uh, absolutely amazing. I mean, absolutely, it comes off brilliantly. I felt a bit sorry for Bobby because he didn't probably have as much to do as he would, but for me, Bob, you know, Bobby Z really proved his point on the parade tour, so it doesn't really matter, but oh my god, Fantastic for the drums. Sorry, I had to to jump in.
0: (laughs) No, no. I mean, and I think some of this stuff was jerry-rigged because you didn't have off-the-rack stuff like the Roland kits and stuff like that now, like you did during Emancipation. You know, all of the stuff that Kirky J was triggering, like, was just stuff that was available in the usual music store, whereas this was stuff that was being purposely rigged together to go, oh, well, how are we going to do this? How would you trigger this live?
1: But again, it is like an extension of the studio, again, on the stage, and it's, it's it's a wild thing to listen to. And, like, it just, again, I just kept finding myself, as I always do with Prince, just going... You know, because it's over, it's easy to overlook because the songs are so strong and the mel- melodies are so strong and the performances are so gusto, right? But actually, if you stop and go, who else would have, te- have teased their uh, you know their new audience with this much suspense and tried their patience so much or built that much suspense in between songs and? to have you know slowed down the pace of the show and have this kind of uh, basically what i'm getting at is how many unusual things he does in this show Uh, on one level it's the most conventional or 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 he, he he's been thrust into the most conventional mainstream and he's delivering the the big rock stadium concert yeah
0: He's de- he's delivering the film on stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. to a I, I, large but, but, extent.
1: But yeah, and but also he's he's delivering like the expected big um, lap of victory, a victory lap of the big overblown rock show. But how many unusual things does he do in there? He, do, he you know, ha, who who else plays these weird bits of backwards tape, and who else plays with, with reverb that much and? Sustain that much, and just you know, bringing the audience to the edge just with a minute and a half of sound, and so like it, it's weird how avant-garde it is, even at the same time. Yeah, that it that it's like the most quote-unquote conventional rock tour of his career,
0: and segues Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, I was yeah, say they,
1: that. Th- there's a lot of weird shit under the yeah. hood here, is what I'm saying, as there always is. Talks to God and
0: realizes that our uh, being good is to invite you all into the bath with him. So it's also that, that kind of thing of like, you can see in that piano section, as many Prince fans have said and noted before, that's where he's kind of like, I'm bored of doing this show night after night, after night, I'm going to add a little bit of this song or maybe this song or something. Cause I'm sitting at the piano, piano, I can add a new song, like some nights do an act of contrition,
2: you know, to, to add a little, to add a little bit of controversy, then no pun intended. I over the years, I guess when I listened to it at the at the beginning, similarly to, um, I think what Chopin said, I didn't, <clears throat> I didn't know every song. I was obviously aware of 1999, Little Red Corvette, as well as the Purple Rain stuff, but you know, not everything, every single thing was something I knew. I, in terms of the set list as a whole, and I agree with Andy. It speaks well of him that he stuck to his guns in terms of his. The way he wanted to present something took the whole world in one shot to represent this entire sort of uh, this entire era and everything he'd achieved up until this point. Um, and he went with some interesting stuff, bearing in mind that's what he was doing. But I can't help but think, on some level, the set could have been even stronger than it was. Um, I appreciate he didn't have as much material to play with. And I think that the jump between. Again, this this is very much my opinion. Yeah. I think the jump between nineteen ninety nine and Purple Rain was the biggest jump in writing ability and arranging so far. If I am honest, for me, okay, yeah, in terms of just writing solid hits that lots and lots of people will be able to sort of get and sink their teeth into was the biggest jump. Uh, so bearing that in mind, but I do think there was other material that he could have brought onto sort of this stage into this into this set that would have been stunning
1: sorry can i jump in yeah uh, yeah, yeah sure um, go on. I, that, see that's interesting to me because yeah uh, if you if you if you cut out even even if you just cut out all the big suspenseful noise bits you'd probably get 10 minutes from this show right maybe more with another artist that might be considered filler but Prince did have a lot more material, even at this time, and he didn't have as much of the material as later, obviously, QED. But like, nothing from controversy, nothing from dirty mind, a couple from like he didn't well, play. Do, I want to do, do me Baby's on it, isn't it? Oh, sorry, sorry. Do me baby, of course. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, no, Chopin never likes do me baby. I love it. I think this is a great performance too. But um, but ba- basically, basically, these are all choices, and you might not, you might not agree with the choices, but. Um, this isn't an artist uh, padding out a show because he hasn't got enough material. This is an artist wanting to present something and, yeah. choosing, and yeah. choosing instead of three more killer tracks from the earlier albums, like, no, I want to be your lover. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. because he did, He's choosing to present something, which is a psychodrama and a fairly white psychodrama because yeah. he's crossing over. So he's not doing the disco stuff so much as it were, right? Although then again, nothing's ever simple here because Irresistible Bitch and Possessed are just, you know, as black as it comes, and Baby I'm a Star is an absolute funk jam. So when I say white, it's relative. But, um, but, you know, this is all... uh, this is all a choice it it's all like no i'm going to do 10 more minutes in the show of just like oh, yeah, 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 yeah 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 and fuck them i'm not going to give them a wanna be your lover i'm not going to give them when you were mine i'm going to do this is the set i want to do the set could always be debated but it, it, it's just interesting that it was so specifically a choice to me so definitely a, a, an overarching theatrical event he wanted to you know. Also, at
0: this, at this point, those kids would have responded as much to uh, Purple Rain B-sights as they would have to some of the earlier tracks. So, yeah. there's a lot, of, a lot of kids in that stadium would know 17 Days and Another Lonely Christmas better than they did for
2: you. Am yeah. I right yeah, in that... thinking uh, Sheila Ree, when she was opening, was playing Erotic City in a set, right? I think maybe she was, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, hellfire, seventy days in erotic City. Oh God, they
1: should have so been on his set every night. Something in the water would have been amazing. Yeah, he wasn't lacking for songs, and I like lo- obviously, and I love that. I love that he was just like it. 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 it, it, it again, it wasn't. Uh, I've got enough. I, I've got an, uh, enough of a set. If I pad it out with noise, it was like no. I... I have an embarrassment of riches to choose from, and these are, this is what I want to present. The average energy,
2: if, if we're looking at this in a peculiarly sort of mathematics by proxy way, right, which is bullshit, I know, but bear with me. So, like, it, the highs are so high that when you have a set, you know, you have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, no, five, five up-tempo solid intro tracks, and then you have extended... I would have you baby. I'm a star. Uh, when doves cry, computer blue, and darling Nikki at the end. It just feels to me that he takes it down in terms of the energy dynamic. So much I put in. Do me, baby, in a sort of a sort of half slow. How come you don't call me? Uh, how come you don't call me anymore? And let's pretend. Well, let's pretend my marriage. like slow. It like goes that. back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, uh, love it, hate it. I'm. I've never been a fan. I Absolutely fan, I'm love afraid. it.
1: Uh, like, it, it, it tickles
2: me. that The average, the sort of average that you pull from the highs and then the lows, just in terms of sort of drive, it seems to be an odd, really, it, real
1: disparity. It, okay. He also
0: has the te- for the tears in your eyes to play with as well around yes. this time, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, I love that he's sitting, again, conventional rock show, the, the most mainstream he's ever been, and he sits down and he plays God to the stadium and I'm, that's, well, there's, nothing more, it, though, there, there's yeah. nothing more, um, there's nothing more. And gets away with it. Get, of course, always. There's, there's nothing more like, I'm going to do this my way. It, I it, think it, the, the thing you think can
2: forgive him for is if he did, if he did take the, com, the more conventional route, it would end up being the best concert of all time type thing. But he takes some aspects of an unconventional route and it's still up there. And he's, he can be admired for
1: doing what he wanted to he do. He always wants... It's, it's interesting. Very the, word interesting. I'm, the word I'm looking for is contrary. Oh, um, yes, And, and like, you know, y- you know that in his head, he's like, I don't want to just give them what they want. I still w- I want to challenge them and I want to be contrary. And I want to play God because that's important to me. And I want to make it hard for them sometimes because I love them and I've been courting this, but I also hate this. And I want it to, you know, I want, I have to show my reticence as well, I think.
0: One of my favourite things, like the kind of like, you know, thought experiments about, you know, when people said what he should have done or whatever, is if he if he could have got it within himself to tour Europe and Japan, when around the, you know... When Around the World kind of was coming out at the same time, is kind of rather than just carry on as the Purple Rain tour, use those legs to become the Around the World in a Day tour and fuse the two albums as a tour, put Raspberry Beret in the mix and knock some of these slower ones, and that would have been an amazing. That would have been an amazing tour, but then you wouldn't have got Parade. But okay, the, run, well, so. well, the,
1: the other the other aspect is that any live show does need relief. And yeah. if you just play banger, 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 it becomes an onslaught. And Prince's bangers were onslaughts anyway, good onslaughts. But, but I think, uh, you know,
2: a third of it was patchy. The middle third was patchy mm. in terms of dynamics and ups and downs. Not saying it was bad, yeah, irresistible, Bitch possessed, super jam. But a third, that, that, and as I say it, I think, am I just being dragged into saying, oh, well, the Purple Rain album and the three 1999 sim- singles, you know. But honestly, I just think, I just think there could have been a, a little bit more balance in that direction.
0: This was one of the nights where this was one of the shorter versions of this kind of middle set. And there were lots mm-hmm. of reviews around the time that these things would, like this section, would stretch out for ages. I've heard people that went to the tour say, yeah, that bit really dragged on. And like the people, some people were like twiddling their thumbs during I'll those bet. bits, during like the Toronto show and stuff. So,
1: cause some- but I still love that he did it because he's an artist and yeah. he does, and he, get, he walks in crooked shoes.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, I, you know, I, I love it. I think it's funny. I think it, um, when, you, when you just listen to the audio and consider it just as sound and soundscape, it's interesting. It's always pushing the envelope and trying people's patience and being Prince. Um, I, I don't, I, 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 you know, I'd never say like, oh, anything Prince chose to do, that's holy gospel. So it's all, it's all brilliant. But it, at this distance, listening to it and thinking about it, in where he was and where he was going, and what what he was saying goodbye to, and what he was yeah. saying hello to as a new presence, a new presence on the megastar stage. I kind of I kind of love that he still made it difficult for everyone.
0: Can I just say, though, when that does actually finally break to that section of Computer Blue, darling, Nicky, oh, yes. it is so good. Oh, it, it, oh, isn't yes. it, isn't <laughs>
2: it? It's a pressure cooker going, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's so or That's it's why good. I don't no. mind it, because
0: yeah. it's like, at the end of, like, will you take a bath with me, tweeting birds and everything, and then Wendy? You know, from the minute she says that, it's like, this is going to be good.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's like you've climbed up the hill with me now yeah. we're going to sledge down it's great. That's very true
2: in, sp- in spite of my preferential critique in that sense, you're absolutely right when it it does it certainly serves the concert as a whole in that particular, that point in that dynamic without a shadow of a doubt.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and that is the issue of, you know When concerts become albums, they become tracks as opposed to whole experiences. And it becomes a little bit more of a. what is an interlude becomes a lot more of a difficult listen as an individual track. But I still think as a whole, it serves, you know.
1: And this is also a historical document. This is what he did. And you can't change it. We could, uh, we we can't change anything that's happened. Now we could talk about what should have been on emancipation or not, or what he should have done. (laughs) Should he have held on to Wendy and Lisa? Should the purple rain torset been different? All interesting. Don't get me wrong. Massively interesting. But you get what you're given, and that's an artist. Well, one one thing I did want to posit that I think you both touched on in
2: different ways was this idea of you know he stopped, he stopped the tour in America. He'd had enough. He wanted Mm. he. He acquiesced and I think would have wanted to put his bookmark out there, his stamp in the sands of time. This this is what I built up to and this is what I've given you. This is the Purple Rain tour and the Purple Rain experience and the Purple Rain years. But had he have gone to Europe with this tour, it's a fact because... You wouldn't have got the Syracuse broadcast. Absolutely. But I mean, the other side of it is I'm glad he didn't because you had a lot of I, my big argument when I was when I was arguing with like everybody I knew at school, right? Because in '88 I was just approaching my final year at high school, and I had one friend who was big into Prince, nowhere near as big as I became very quickly, but he was fairly big into Prince, and he he fed me the the tapes at the beginning when I'd seen the film and so on and so forth, and I was having arguments, unsurprisingly, with people about Michael Jackson, and everybody's oh Michael Jackson smiles better. Now I always loved Michael Jackson's music. But I'm like, there's, there's more dimensions here. There's, and this is before I knew that much. I'm like, honest to God, there is so much doing, going on and he's doing it all and all this kind of thing. So you have that that uh, triumvirative of Madonna, Jackson and Prince. I do wonder if in some ways it would have solidified... And I think it's fair to say that Prince on that scale is number three. I don't, he's, not, he's not as big as Jackson was and he's not as big as Madonna was, I don't think. in the In the absolute annals of popular culture... And per- personally, I like the fact that my hero is at number three because it actually makes him far more interesting. And there's reasons, he, of, like Andy alluded to, with the guy who goes out there and does what he does and plays God on a concert tour, he's never going to possibly bump into one and two. But it doesn't matter because that, that says something about him, which is far more interesting.
0: Um, In fact, he could have been number one if he didn't have so much because that knocked him back to number three.
2: That's it. So if he'd it, if it have gone on and toured the album and we hadn't have got around the world in a day at all or until later and so on and so forth, That that's kind of where I was going with it. It would have been interesting to see how that would have turned out or, or what would have happened. But, as I said, when I was arguing with my friends saying, nah, 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 he got to the top, refused to tour the rest of the world and then released an album that everybody went, what the hell? This sounds nothing like Purple Rain 2. And that's, to me, that is like artist, artist, artist.
1: He basically said it himself. He said... Um... Do you know how easy it would have been to have changed the key of the solo at the end of Let's Go Crazy and open up the new album with that? Yeah. And that, that's it in a nutshell. It's basically, oh, look, I've proven any time I want, I can win, I can win the race. Any time I want, I can, you know, I can climb the mountain and, and be in that spot. Or, I've, or maybe not any time I want, but I've proven I can do it and I compete on the world stage great, but now I want to throw that all away and do something else. And, like, later on in his career, he, he wanted to have the stuff he'd thrown away again, I think. Yeah. But he didn't at the time when he was on the trajectory of just following his own star, and I love him for that.
0: Yeah. Also, he. I mean, I think if he'd done Europe and stuff, he wouldn't have gone down to Rio, had that little kind of two-day holiday, then come back and did Parade, you know? So it's yeah, like... Yeah been in you know he wouldn't have got the fan letter that inspired him to do do um do you uh i wonder you i you know so it's like i'm sure he would have been inspired by different fan letters to record different songs and what have you but if 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 you don't want syracuse in the world and parade then you want the tour to continue but i think as they stood he made good on this decision so. yeah I think <laughs> pretty so. much
1: so I, I want to talk about some of the things i love just the little details in this concert Oh, go ahead. Which is a classic Prince thing. I've written an amazing pop song. And for the live version, I'm going to add extra sweeties to it. Basically, can you cram another hook into 1999? Yes, you can. That kind of high bass hook that goes through the verses of this version is great. It's like, I can't remember exactly. um, I was dreaming. Ding, 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 ding or something like that oh another hook that just sits perfectly in the song you thought there wasn't room for one there was um take me with you uh oh i'm gonna put a little guitar motif in after each line that's not in the track it's another little sweetie i love stuff like that my favorite of them all which this is just like one of the great prince riffs that was thrown away just just for the live version of this song in this era. Are you going to say what I think you? I think I think I know what you're going to say. What What do you think it is? I think you're going to say the line at the beginning, "Little Red Cover. Do 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 do. I knew I, I
2: knew it. I knew it because when we play live, I sometimes throw that in on the guitar because I'm, I'm the same. How could you miss? How could you leave this off?
0: It's just perfect. I wonder if it's on the studio version, like, but just the track that he muted.
1: Yeah, these might these things may. I, I always wonder that too. It, they may have come out of jamming in rehearsals they may have been tracks that weren't or ideas that weren't used for the song or they may just be uh, like a, a real insta again a real instinct for when i give people the stuff they know i need to make it more special love
0: well apparently when the the actual 24 track of when doves cry has tons of stuff on it that are, um they took off like, not just the bass, loads of other stuff, yeah, like yeah, synths uh. and stuff like that. But they just took off because to get, you know, it's like overproduce the song and then bring it back down. Um, one of the live things that I like that he did was take the kind of uh, mad piano jamming off from the middle of Let's Go Crazy and put it
1: in the middle of Delo- uh, Delirious. Delirious. like
0: as a, as a throwback. And it's just like...
1: I- love that it's it's such an easter egg i was thinking that too and then it it also made me really think about the link between those songs because they're both they're both alluding to insanity yeah crazy and delirious Those states of uh, in, yeah. mind so it's a very kind of um conceptual fit in delirious and yeah for the for the super fans even at the time, to have, oh, that's that's the extended bit from the twelve inch of "Let's Go Crazy," and look, he he's chucked it over there. He's playing playing tag team with his songs. I love noticing things like that, and that that really makes me happy.
0: And it's that, and it's you know, it's true. Rockabilly Prince, both of those are like kind of Then he you know kind of leads to back in. I love that uh, Wendy's guitar lick at the start of "Irresistible Bitch." That oh,
1: dun, dun, that's dun, dun, killer.
0: that's killer. And then the key change when it goes down into Possessed is just, like, when it just goes boom, boom,
1: boom. Like, I'm sure, you know, these are highlights for all of us, um, Irresistible Bitch and Possessed. And again, it's like, this is, quote, unquote, a white show by Prince's standards. But then, even then, I am just going to say, by the way, there's an entrance to... My other uh, there's an entrance to another side of music here, if you want it, and yeah. just, just knock you out with irresistible bitch and possessed, and then close that door again for a bit, but it's there if you want to come explore guys
0: well I don't think it's even a small uh small door because then he kind of he does little Richard, then he does that James Brown and then he does gospel, you know, and then he does well you no know. you're
1: right, I mean it's never just going to be white, and I don't mean it to be that binary, but
0: no no i just I just mean in terms of. It's yeah, more it, like an advent calendar. It's like a little advent calendar of black music within this kind of.
1: Definitely, it it runs through the show, but like it's yeah. it's a, a note. You know, this was his biggest crossover, and yeah. it's his, and it's his most uh, you know, conventional, uh, not conventional. It, it's his most direct hit on white America, yeah. right? Uh, yes. but 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 of course, it, the black music tradition is woven into it, but. Really, when when he takes the, the gloves off and just hits you with the double whammy of irresistible bitch and possessed, it's another show entirely for five minutes, isn't it? Well,
0: it's c- kind of like it's kind of like a precursor to what the parade tours were like. Those kind of one note marathon yeah. jamathons, and I, and to me, that's where every one of his bands has like these strong points where they just shine. And I think those kind of on the one jams, the revel- like soul psychedelic side and stuff like that. Oh. that's where the revolution really shines. It's when it's just like
1: this type, you know, on a one, boom. Oh yeah. It's just a, it's just absolute. And that's where Bobby Z's beats are just like, yeah, the sound that he built his ideas on for the first five years of his career were just like that brick shithouse. Yeah. uh, Rhythm section. With Matt stabs kind of. Yeah. It's fantastic to, fantastic to you know anytime they go into that mono groove absolutely yeah. and to go
2: to back to your uh, sweets motif Andy second verse on computer blue and all the extra stuff oh I mean it's just like god yeah. that's too good too good really is
0: I agree yeah it's like yeah having him do the the edit of the hallway speech version just like the half size version just before they knocked it off you know edit off completely that's a uh, Poor lonely computer, that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah.
1: I love that stuff so much. Uh, it, See, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches.
0: As possibly, I think, Computer Blue might be one of my favourite '80s tracks. Like, if, if oh, you, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's up there. I mean, if, if we're not counting love, sexy stuff, <laughs> but even then, so good.
1: Oh it, no, it, it's, it's just super duper hard ass grind, man. I love it. Doing the breakdown twice, yeah,
0: yeah. the way it comes around twice. Oh, I, always,
2: uh, I always thought uh, Computer Blue would be a good uh, Faith No More cover, oddly enough. I yeah, they would, would do
0: a good job of it. I was going to say, uh,
2: yeah. Uh, for the tenuous link, uh, you know, uh, please
1: please listen to it on the record, <laughs> off the review with. Featuring your favorite Manchester. It's just badass, man. Yeah. And just the lyrics are always badass. Just, there must be something wrong with the machinery, is badass lyrics. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it a, it's an amazing freaking track. One,
2: one thing I, I really wanted to mention, again, it's, it's very relevant to Compute Blue, is Prince's guitar playing on this, this show. It was, it was an interesting time. He was playing almost exclusively the Telecaster, obviously. The cloud had to be the party piece because it was very much, at this point in time, tied to that specific song. And indeed, when it, when it appears and you hear the thick, monstrous growl in the middle of the into a purple rain, it just uh, it rips your heart out. It's astonishing. Yeah. But a lot of this was, was on the Telecaster. And I love the fact that as that particular, that particular guitar played on the bridge, distorted uh, in this environment, it's a very thin, but still tonally quite nice sort of a solo and rhythm sound, but it's very, very cutting. It, it's quite thin. It, it sort of speaks, to, he's, he's playing at this side obviously he's, he's slightly less of a master of the guitar at this point. He's still learning and later on I think he's much more professorial when he's playing. You can, see him th- you can see him thinking in the later years when he's playing and he's thinking of all the places he can go and all the things he can do when he's improvising. You can really see that the the book is just wide open for him, and he can do what he wants, how he wants, when he wants. When you um, when you listen to um, the Purple Rain tour, it's he a, a larger proportion of his playing is still very instinctual, and sometimes he hits patterns that he repeats. And I don't think that it's it like it detracts in any way. It's a lovely shot in time of where he was with his playing, and and I, I love all this stuff where he's bending. Sort of the E string and the A string really violently on stuff like Compute Blue at the end of 1999, things like that. And when he hits the way, just the way he does bends is different. It's slightly less controlled. Never out of, never he doesn't pitch or anything. Go pitchy, but it, it's so so. There's a wild man about it. Particularly if you if you look at like the energy and the 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 explosion of energy in in uh, Let's Go Crazy when he does. At the end of the first solo, and he just puts a little bit on, followed by a bend. Yeah. It's very, very visceral and it's very instinctive. It's like a creature hunting its prey almost when he's playing. Mm. And I, I love this time of princes playing. He's it's very, very exciting and high octane and yeah, not, how... not not always perfect, but in, in a very, very good way.
1: It's hungry, man. I think yeah. um I think. One thing I would say about the guitar on this concert, though, is like it it doesn't uh, he doesn't uh, actually indulge in that much. It's it's spot stuff, really. Yeah. And like he'll he'll leap out to do a bit of pyrotechnics, but it doesn't it doesn't as a rule stay stay uh, stay there for very long. There's not a lot of extended guitar hero stuff, which like uh, sign of the times tour and love sexy tour, he was he was really stretching out. Here, it's very... It doesn't last for long when it comes.
0: It, I don't think he's put it in the structure as, of the show either. Mm. Like, if you get, look at the places he's got to improvise uh, and kind of stretch, yeah. they're not guitar places. Yeah. It's like uh, Baby, I'm a Star, which is more like dance breaks yep. and kind of giving cues to the band. Yep. He, he's you know, he's more confident as a band leader than he is, not to speak for him.
1: Just the show that he designed here is like... Um doesn't have that much space for it that's for sure and like he it feels like he you know he's covering a lot he's got a lot of bases to cover in this show and he's got a lot of people mm-hmm. to please and a lot of new pressures and the guitar is hungry when it comes it's thrilling but it doesn't he's trying to show he, he, i think he's got a lot he's got to say look here's all these studio noises here's all here's the performance you've never seen i'm uh here's a lot of people i want to introduce you to these people i'm playing with and it just fits in with everything else rather than stretches out
2: with with the exception of of purple rain and well, well, yeah, well that, that yeah. is mind-blowing that the the section he plays on the on the telly when it's building is sumptuous it's not a distorted sound and it's paced differently but there is a little bit of wild abandonment in just the same way as the little frills like you said the sweets things in some of the songs for me yeah the show is ordered and it's organised, so his little extras, his little sweets are like the first solo in Let's Go Crazy. He, he adds a little bit of a, of a flair at the end of, of, of the phrase. Yep. It's the same thing. It, he's still... There's that little bit of abandonment, and that, that first section where he plays on the Telecaster is... Oh, it, 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 it's just mind-numbingly good. And then, when you think it can't get any higher, the, the, this white thing wanders in from the side in the mirror. <laughs> it's like this fucking amazing, like, pearl and whoosh, and you're just like, yeah. oh, bloody hell. And it's then so cool. and then it continues to go up substantially. Not much, when I was younger, I didn't get emotional about music. Not not really. And and I can remember watching that guitar solo through and it would make me cry because he just took it to, it. it, it the beats were so, mm-hmm. so good. He had his he had his section, which was as the record, and then he extended and went out. And he had his bit before he got to the section that was as the record in terms of the soloing. When he gets, when he loses himself in it and gets the anger and the the deep emotion, and he's really scraping it out and knocking the microphone stand over, and that there's a bit where he's just sort of hitting it with three of his barred fingers. I don't know if you remember that bit, but right towards the end. When he's, I think he stood next to one of the girls from Vanity Six. It is so so deep and emotive. It's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, that was that was probably that's first thing I can ever remember bringing tears to my eyes from something that's just a song being played on stage. Yeah, that. And,
0: and I also think... also between Computer Blue and Purple Rain, like the second half of the show, Computer Blue and Purple Rain are the only songs he plays guitar in, if I'm right. Apart from grabbing it to like spray water all over the crowd, well, let's go crazy. No, no, no. the second half of the oh, show, sorry, like, sorry, yeah. You know, after the thing, so actually, like, you know, the first bit, he's pretty much got a guitar strapped on until yeah, right. "Do Me Baby." Then he does. Then already after that, he's only got the guitar for two songs. Mm.
1: Yeah, so there's actually yeah. not that much guitar playing from
0: Prince in this show.
1: What's the song where he throws Wendy a solo? And I think she was very nervous of soloing in front of crowds. And-
2: well, she does the solo on Little Red Corvette, but I think you're thinking about... Um, when Doves Cry Intro? Uh, no. Um, oh, God. I can't she does one
0: on Let's Go Crazy, doesn't
2: she? No, no. What you're thinking of is Let's Pretend We're Married, where she does the rock and roll solo after right, he's done right. Eric Leads Germany. Yeah. Because I, it always makes me laugh because she does this wobbly head thing when she walks forward to sort of
1: no <laughs> Like the rock and roll. I, 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 I think I remember reading that, like, you know, she was she didn't like soloing in front of crowds and that she was a rhythm guitarist. And he threw. See, that that, that that's a difference because she's playing a solo that's not canon and she's playing like she's like yeah wendy you play a solo now and 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 i love that she comes out and plays like a perfectly like a really felt gutsy quote unquote crappy solo i love that solo yeah i know what you mean yeah it's not crappy that's not the real word i want but it's kind of like it, it, it's like it, it's like you're nervous. This isn't your comfort zone. Make something up, Wendy. She plays a rhythm guitarist solo in the nicest way possible. I yeah, love that's that's spot on, actually. Yeah.
2: Spot on. Yeah, yeah. There's a lovely quote from her on the um, Estate podcast about this release, where she said, "You know, it, she was kind of when she was watching it back before they did the podcast, she noticed the visual editing on the Little Red Corvette solo." And she said, "1985, top of the world tour, cuts to the female guitarist to play the lead guitar solo off an album, yeah. and the bloody camera goes back to Prince." And she said, uh, "She was so good." And I'm thinking, "Do you know what? You are absolutely on the money there. That would, yeah. <laughs> that should have stood as just Wendy doing her thing." I mean, we can all understand why, but uh, shame. Um,
0: but if it yeah. if it was Jez, the camera would be on him.
2: Yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Love wendy's playing wendy Wendy's an interesting cat. You, you look at her, you listen to the revolution playing, and she isn't a soloist. she can't really solo. she doesn't do anything, replicate anything they they, they sort of miss stuff. Um, but again, that's but she, her her layered playing and a, a chordal playing and a logical music mathematical mind when she's going she's, she's stunning. but her funk playing is. Yeah absolutely unique oh, and superb coming off that um that old hot rod rickenbacker with the uh, f holes filled in to take a little bit of the glass off to tighten it just enough for that for that those funk moves like andy said i think sandy said about the beginning of uh, irresistible bitch that riff yeah. oh
1: my i think word. chopin yeah, said it just... but it could have been either one of us yeah
0: but i think we both agree
1: we are, we are, the but... tone of it is just we speak with one voice on this it's it's yeah. A, yeah. it's so savage it's just like a yeah. oh man it's just a razor blade under the lapels it's terrific
0: the tone of it the playing of it the feel of it, it's just so good and and i i usually hate recommbackers like i hate to play them as well it's like i feel they they play like bricks to me but it sounded so
1: good that 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 riff like sorry that that um that guitar rhythm that funk rhythm is like yeah it's it's a funk guitar rhythm and it's three rungs better than it's just three rungs better than most things you've heard it's just it's just better it's just, got more, it's just got more moves in it, man. It's just sharper, it's better, it's funkier. It's tricky as hell to play, I could assure
2: you. Get it right and not catch the D string on the way down. But, uh, oh yeah, lovely. I think she's very underrated, as Wendy's guitarist in many ways. Especially when you look at some of the guitarists he's, he had since. I mean, then again, being a guitarist in a band with Prince, it's a tall order one way or another.
1: You know, uh, the Revolution was a unique musical kitchen, as I once saw it described. And going to watch the Revolution these days and being immersed in that sound and r- realizing mm-hmm. re- you hear the songs very differently when they're all around you like that, and you just and it's so, you know, when you watch the when you listen to the Rev live, you just go, "Oh yeah, this must have felt good," because it still feels good. They're playing. It, they're bringing themselves to it, and they're playing what he, you know, what he programmed them to play, plus themselves, and it feels great. The revolution is
2: so unique. I couldn't go and see them when they were in London. I did not mean I couldn't get there. I just couldn't go without Prince there. I, it just. Oh really? Yeah. I made. It, I thought about it when I heard it was going to be released. The tickets were going to come out, and that they were doing a London show. Did you see the MPG? No, no, but I'm not. And I'm not overly, you know, I'm not one of those guys who, you know, I don't, I'm not into Prince to the degree that I worship him as a human being, and my life Mm. is Prince, and you know, I call my kids after Prince and all that kind of thing. That's not me. The bit, one of the reasons why I I, I find it, I wouldn't say easy, but when he died, I very much clung on to, okay, he's gone, and it's tragic, and we're never going to have anything new, and I hate to think of him not being in in this world and all that kind of thing. Hate it. But the thing that's there and endures is his work and what he poured himself into, and that's that's a constant, and it's always there, and it it's it's inherently him. The the thing with the Revolution, I they are very distinct and stand on their own and still sound. I, I'm losing what I'm trying to say, but I couldn't I couldn't go see the Revolution without Prince there. I, Yet they're still very very powerfully unique in their own sort I, of right.
1: To me, it's. It's um, the, the next best thing to time travel, to experience that sound live and that sound that Prince developed with them and for them and through them. And it, it, it sounds disrespectful when I say he programmed them to play that way. Uh, so I won't say that But um, because it's them too. But it was a conversation between them and him. But to hear that live, I don't know if you ever if you ever change your mind on that, Paddy. I'll go to a rev it, concert with you and we'll have the time of
0: totally our lives. It's totally worth it. It's a fantastic show. It really is. I, I still don't know if I could. And again, to, just, be,
2: to be clear... It
1: just feels good to be in that in Yeah, that I,
2: I can imagine it. And again, to be clear, it's not a... This isn't a... As I say, I'm not a super hardcore fan who will not hear a word said about it. It's not that. It's not, oh my God, oh no, no, Princess I, our, I just can't do it. It's not that at all. It's just it. that they, they were such a thing. I just... I don't know. I don't know. I, I listen to the recordings, and I love listening to the Revolution recordings. You know, I think amazing. you'd
0: enjoy a show if you went. Yeah,
2: probably. I I, I don't know what it'd do to me. I I, I don't know. Possibly. A, you never you know. know. It,
1: I like I say. I just like being in that the, inside that machine with it operating all around me, and it you, yeah. you yeah. hear the songs mm-hmm. all over again. It's really good. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But yeah, they, they are a you know they're a band that. They're they're a Prince outfit that I didn't see at the time. And, hey, you can't have it all. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this got wistful. Sorry, I I I Well
2: Let let me bring my one complaint about the video then. What's the one thing that they did on that tour video that they didn't bloody correct? Uh, Again, again,
0: were you talking about the mirroring when Dove's crying? Certainly, bloody am, yes. Oh, my God. And here's the thing. On the original satellite broadcast, they didn't do that. Oh, oh, so time. there is like in bootleg world there is the footage without the mirroring and it's just like seen it, yeah. at least do it as a bonus yeah. you know, at least do it as a bonus like because oh. the thing is I skipped
2: straight that was the first thing I watched because I thought oh, they must have sort this out and I can watch it in relatively pristine dra- dragged out pixels aside and I was like
1: no fucking way they've left it yeah. why have they done that
0: because it was a creative decision that Prince made probably and oh, well, you know okay, like <laughs> Do you know what the the one thing I hope they don't keep in is like during the nineties he did this kind of strobing effect on the videos of like the guitar solos in the nude tour, like La Corona and the Diamonds and Pearls tour. When he went into a guitar mm-hmm. solo, like the screens would go into this kind of like strobing effect. Like this really dated nineties. That I hope they correct, but that was something the Prince liked. So it's like one of those things. Do you, is, you know? Do you correct it by taking it off because it's dated so much, or do you go, that's what it was? Wow. It's a document. I'm
2: not bothered yeah. about the dated aspect to End of Wendell's Cry. I just want to see what the band are doing.
1: Yeah, because yeah. The, problem well, yeah, is, exactly. the problem
2: is watching the split screen. All you're doing is trying to make up in your mind the bit that you can't see. You're not concentrating on anything else.
0: It's like I know a, they're trying to kind of be the video, video or yeah. something,
1: Yeah, but I can't. Sorry Andy, go on. No, not at all, I'm um, just thinking about, yeah yeah, I, I remember the the, mir- the mirrored stuff being difficult to watch at the time, what's going on, but uh, I haven't seen the new car. I've heard these complaints. I was just thinking about how much uh, I, I like almost every bar of music that Prince wrote and performed in the 80s almost every one. There's two there's always been two horn motifs that he added live that I didn't really like and I'm glad that well, one of the songs doesn't exist at the time during this concert. And the other one, he hadn't started putting horns on when doves cry. I always hated the horns he put on when doves cry live and the horns. uh, And yeah. And I also, I I didn't like one of the extra horn lines he wrote for kiss live, And um, so that's not a problem in this concert, but I really like this one. Doves cry, uh, not the mirroring, the sound of it. I, I've, oh, do you mean the kiss with well, the kiss one? Do you mean that? Da, 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 yeah, da. yeah. All right, okay. Never liked it. Um I liked both those horns lines, I did, but okay. they're, they're literally like the only two bars that I didn't like it that he wrote in the 80s. <laughs> but um so like pretty good hit rate. But um and I'll live with them, but I really like when dubs cry this version of it without horns sitting all over it, and I love and could listen to forever just the extended den 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 that he lets go play for a while before he starts actually doing the song here and uh that's all I want to say i like i i really like you know some of the arrangements on this tour i i love
0: i love the extended bit at the end of darling nicky that yep. <laughs> yeah yeah that's yep. amazing
1: love love him uh love him playing with that song love that he turns for some reason uh, take me with you into a funk jam for a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah, <it's
0: laughs> so again, good.
2: Uh, uh, very much guitar bias. I admit the show that he did in LA that started with controversy I had Springsteen and Madonna on it. Yeah, some of the guitar stuff. I mean, a lot of the shows where he drops into that sort of free form for the second half. Take me with you. He did used to do quite some some lovely little bits of improvisation and bits on that. He'd throw in like the controversy. Uh, lead line and mm. the the some absolutely again on the uh, that LA show I can't, was it the Coliseum I can't remember but the absolutely stunning little runs that he does on that I mean they they're fairly brief but they always stuck into my in my mind.
0: I wonder if it was competitive prints with Bruce Springsteen there. Did he really need... Well, you know, Bruce Springsteen is like another band leader who he rates. You know, I wonder if there's um, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah, I suppose, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, there's a guitarist in the house. So I'm going to kind of show him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, so um, ultimately, uh, Andy, uh, how are you feeling about watching... I know you've listened to.
1: Well, actually, this, uh, you know... I am very happy to have this thing and it will it will now find a it it will be rotated back into my listening because it's got me interested in what he was doing and why and also the other thing that I didn't really mention or we've t- we've all touched on it but I ju- I I really enjoy listening to this concert in context of where I know he went next and where it came from and just think and just thinking this you know this concert, he laid on everything that was in his palette before sweeping that palette away and changing tech a number of times. And I think that, you know, that, that's why it, it, this concert and this tour, more than anything, are interesting to me, because it was like a, it was a summing up. It was the final big gateau he made with this particular set of ingredients before he went and, you know, started cooking up some other shit.
0: Uh, yeah, so Paddy, uh, how are you feeling about now that you've watched it, listened to it?
2: Not that it's especially needed life breathing into it, but I think the fact that there is a definitive, I'm less bothered about the video, if I'm honest, I'm more bothered about the audio. The fact that there is a definitive, uh, intentionally remixed and enhanced audio version of this is, is just a little gold nugget for me. I'll go back to it a lot. I'll look at my own band arrangements and what you know what you sort of choose to pilfer, and so on and so forth, because we do take a, a fair amount of stuff from from this tour because it's just so utterly superb. And same as Andy said to be honest, it's a bookend of the era that that allowed him to do everything else after. Like I said earlier in the podcast, the thing about Prince was, on the face of it, the guy who'd got the number one single album film was massive at that moment in time, the biggest, what did he do? He, he, he could have written Purple Rain too, but what did he do? He stopped touring and released uh, a psychedelic album with hardly any guitar in it. Absolutely nothing sort of in common with Purple Rain. Utter genius. And as the years go by, you look at Around the World in a Day and then you look at stuff like Parade and it's just like, oh my God, you just couldn't. You you can't mine the depths of such genius. It's and again, not just that he did that, and he's to his record company. And oh, I'm sorry, I just don't want to do number two and make you the the most money you've ever had in the last twelve months. The second time, I want to do this. True self, um, self. Um, he knew knew what he was doing he knew what he was doing he plowed his own furrow and yeah and
1: and sorry to always be arsing on but yes again even at a fractal level same thing in the concert i've come to play with you but sometimes i don't want to and i'm just going to stretch your patience and and arse around wondering about myself and god and just always so contrary even at every level
0: yeah, I mean to quote Prince, why should I do that when I can do this? Yeah, really. You know? Uh I I'm loving weird enough uh on my list of to dos from the estate this would have been very, very, very low. Hmm. But actually now that it's here, I, I think it really nicely bookends to kind of quote what you're saying, bookends not only the era in a sense, but the kind of, we've had a lot of releases from this era, and, and we've had a lot of uh, examination and interviews uh, from this era, and I hope this becomes, from the estate's point of view, a nice little bookend, so we can, I mean, doesn't mean you can't come back to it, but we can explore other aspects of Prince, other decades, whether they be before or after, in a little bit more, now that we've kind of explored the meteoric rise, the, the status producing era. It's it's I think they've done a great job of packaging, they tend to always do. They've done a great job with the audio and they've done a great job with the video. Uh I hope they do the same with Dortmund, Life Sexy. I hope they do the same with I mean Silent Times is pretty much well done. Yeah. There's a really good there's a really good remaster of that on blu-ray i hope they do it with the detroit i hope they do it with three chains of gold i hope they do it with sacrifice of victor and the undertaker um
1: so you heard it prince estate just everything
0: please just everything
1: yeah could we just have everything redone like this in a box
0: set? and most importantly by monday oh yeah by monday (laughs) times are wasting (laughs) yeah I, i i've got to say this um One of my friends is a real huge Peter Gabriel fan. Like same way I'm a Prince fan. He's kind of got every note. And we kind of, and we kind of, sometimes he laments. He says, Prince has released more since he died than Peter Gabriel has his entire career. And we kind of did like an hour for hour matchup song. And it's pretty much true at this point. Uh, So like every time like there's a new Prince thing comes out, it's like, oh, he's released something again. I was like, you still waiting? He's like, I'm still waiting. So it's like, we're lucky
2: yeah we're doing all right we're doing all right yeah yeah as much as i i have my own personal reasons to be not particularly pro estate in this and do you know they're there to make money and then they'll be making a lot but in terms of keeping him out there and giving us things
0: that we do want yeah pretty good is there, do, is there stuff that I think is really like, come on, this is long overdue some sort of remaster. this is long overdue being put on back or repressed and stuff like that there's tons of that stuff that, but then like if I was presented with the entire Princes of Old, I'm not entirely sure I wouldn't take a little time to go what, 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 what what you know, like like there is so much stuff and what these last couple of years has really kind of prove to us is this stuff we didn't even know about a lot of i think there's a lot of hardcore fans thought that they knew everything that was in the vault and that there was nothing new and I, I think this proves there is i didn't know there was the 24 track taping of this i thought it was just like some two track but ultimately glad this is released i think they've done it well it wasn't high on my list but now that it's here i'm really enjoying it uh i can't wait for what comes next
1: I'm going to go listen to it. (laughs) Fantastic.
0: Yeah, Andy, go listen to it. Go watch it.
2: So, uh, yeah, that sounds like it's it. So I guess all we could really say is uh, we are PPUK and we came to play with you. Exactly.